1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: If I'm sowing to my flesh, I shouldn't expect to reap the things of the Spirit. Some people, they don't sow any godly habits into their life, and then they expect to reap the fruit of godliness and righteousness. It's never going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. Israel sowed things that were empty and worthless and powerless to help them, and that's exactly what they read.
1: And there are people, you might even know one or two, who go to church and claim to be following Jesus, but whose lifestyle the other six days of the week could be switched for the person who boasts about how much they party and sleep around. The first person, as Pastor Dan will teach about today, should not be surprised that they have trouble feeling like they're close to God because they aren't trying to get close to Him. You'll hear about the Hebrews and the results of their not attempting to follow God. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of Hosea, chapter 8, for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: His very first act, King Jeroboam, his very first act was to immediately establish idolatry in the nation and implement ungodly policies that led the nation into great sin against the Lord. And remember, God judged Israel for their moral and spiritual corruption. And the leaders they chose led the nation into ungodliness and that's why God says here hey the people appointed kings but not by me and they made princes but not with my approval and the lesson for us when we choose leaders in our nation it's important for us to look at which candidates and which parties most align with the word of God I say most aligned because No candidate and no party completely aligns with the word of God. But which candidate, which party most align or is most in line with the word of God. And I encourage you during the election seasons, make sure you read each party's platform. See what they're about and decide which one sounds more in line with the Bible. Because God judges nations morally. That's his standard. And so verse 5, he goes on. Your calf is rejected, O Samaria. My anger is aroused against them. How long until they attain to innocence? Again, Jeroboam, northern kingdom. He set up a golden calf in Samaria and another one in Dan. And the Lord says here, how long until they attain to innocence? Now, How do we attain innocence with God? By repenting of our sins. And putting our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all of our sins are forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, and we're declared blameless and innocent in God's sight through the blood of Jesus Christ. And here in verse 5, God is saying to Israel, How long until you repent of your idolatry and turn back to the Lord? How long is this going to continue? How much longer are you going to go down this path as a nation? Before you come to the end of yourself and turn back to the Lord. Look at verse 6. For from Israel is even this. A workman made it. Talking about their false gods, their golden calf. And it is not God. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. You know, verse 6 is so striking to me because it it seems so obvious and unnecessary to say this. But God's got to say it. A workman made the golden calf. You're putting your hope and trust in. Therefore, it's not God. If a man made it, it's not God. It's like the Lord is saying to Israel. You guys realize how absurd this is, right? Like you guys realize just how crazy and absurd this is. You ever feel that way? You probably have felt that way a few times over the last 18 months where you're just, am I the only one who thinks this is crazy, what we're doing here? How absurd this is? Now listen to this in Jeremiah chapter 2. The Lord says, listen, he says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. We've talked about this verse before. We've talked about cisterns before. Cisterns are like pits that they would carve into the rock and then line them with plaster so that they could fill them with water. So they were like just big holding tanks for water. And here in Jeremiah 2, God says that he is to Israel A fountain of living water. Refreshing water. He's an unlimited supply of water that never runs dry. They can drink from it whenever they want, as much as they want, and stay refreshed by the Lord all the time. And what did Israel say to that? No thanks. We don't want your living water. We'd rather make for ourselves cisterns and drink warm, dirty, stagnant water instead of your living water. But their cisterns were broken. Their cisterns leaked and couldn't hold water. They ran dry. So usually they were empty and offered no refreshment at all. But even so, Israel still said, hey, we'll stick with the broken, leaky cisterns that don't satisfy us, that leave us disappointed And empty instead of this living water that you're offering us. There are people like that. Jesus Christ offers us new life in him. Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water. Springing up into everlasting life. With Jesus Christ, you never thirst again. Jesus satisfies, he fulfills, he gives us an unlimited supply of life-giving water. We can come to him as often as we need to and be refreshed by him, have our thirst satisfied. We can come to him and just be refreshed by him until we are completely filled up and completely satisfied. Just what a blessing that is, that he offers us. But just like Israel, there are some people that say, hey, no thanks, no thanks. I don't want that everlasting life. I don't want that new life in Christ. I don't want that living water. I think I'll just drink from this leaky cistern that I've made for myself. I don't need what Jesus is offering because I find my fulfillment in golf or fishing. You know, nature is my God. I find my satisfaction in life, in my career, or my hobby or going out to the clubs on Friday night or whatever leaky cistern they've made for themselves. But Jesus offers you an unlimited supply of living water. He offers to satisfy your soul, give you lasting fulfillment. No, thanks. I'm good. I've got this leaky cistern that doesn't hold any water. Most of the time I go to there's it's just empty. Leaves me disappointed and empty, but I don't want what you have. It's just like Israel. Look at verse 7. They sow the wind. And they reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no bud. It shall never produce meal. If it should produce aliens, invaders would come in and swallow it up. They sow the wind. They reap the whirlwind. Now, the Bible speaks several places about sowing and reaping, planting a seed and reaping from it, harvesting. It says they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. This is speaking, again, of their idolatry, their golden calf that they're trusting, and they sow the wind. They sow something that is empty, and they reap a whole bunch of emptiness from it. Isn't that interesting? There are three principles to sowing and reaping that you should note, or you could even call them three laws of sowing and reaping that are always true, whether it's a believer or a non-believer doing the sowing and reaping. These are just laws of sowing and reaping, like gravity is a law and applies to everybody. These are the laws of sowing and reaping. The first law is you always reap what you sow. These are principles you've got to understand for life. You always reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Whatever a man sows, that he shall reap. You always reap what you sow. If you plant a tomato seed, you're going to reap tomatoes. You're never going to reap grapes or apples from that tomato seed. You reap what you sow. If you sow godly habits, like prayer, daily Bible study, fellowship with other believers, walking in the Spirit, serving the Lord, sharing your faith... If you sow godly habits, you're going to reap godliness. It's just a law. You'll reap godliness. Or, on the other hand, if you sow to the flesh, if you sow ungodly activities into your life and sinful habits, you're going to reap ungodliness. If you sow destructive behavior, you're going to reap destruction in your life. You always reap What you sow that also means if I am sowing ungodliness, I should not expect to reap godliness. I just shouldn't expect it. If I'm sowing to my flesh, I shouldn't expect to reap the things of the spirit. Some people, they don't sow any godly habits into their life. And then they expect to reap the fruit of godliness and righteousness. It's never going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. Israel sowed things that were empty and worthless and powerless to help them. And that's exactly what they reaped. I would say, too, if you're not seeing godly fruit in your life, then what are you sowing into your life? Because you always reap what you sow. That's the first principle.
1: We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners.
2: If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m., I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website, again, is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message.
2: Second principle of sowing and reaping, we reap later than we sow, always. In other words... The fruit does not appear in our lives immediately. Now, we're used to instant results. But there are no instant results with sowing and reaping. There's always a period of time. And sometimes it's a long period of time between the sowing and reaping. That's why the Apostle Paul says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap. Reaping comes in in due season. Again, some people expect immediate results in their walk with Jesus Christ or immediate fruit. I've been reading the Bible for two weeks now and nothing's changed. I don't see a difference. It doesn't work. Well, it's only been two weeks. The reaping always comes later than the sowing. We should stay faithful and consistent in sowing godly habits into our lives and the fruit will come and do season. Now Israel sowed. Ungodliness and immorality. In their nation. For decades and decades and decades and decades. And then eventually the time of reaping came. And Assyria comes in. Destroys the nation. So the third principle of sowing and reaping now. The third principle. We always reap more than we sow. We always reap more than we sow. A single tomato seed will produce a whole bushel of tomatoes. We reap more than we sow. Jesus used this picture in his parable about the seed and the four kinds of soil to illustrate how the word of God produces fruit in our lives. And Jesus said, the seed that fell on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth fruit. A hundredfold. So that means when we sow godly habits, like coming to church for a Bible study, when we sow godly habits, the fruit that we reap will be much greater than what we sowed. This is also true for sin. This is also true for ungodly habits. What we reap will always be significantly greater than what we sow. Israel sowed the wind. With their false religion. But they reaped a hurricane. That destroyed their nation. It was much greater than what they sowed. Verse 7 now. Again says. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no bud. It shall never produce meal. If it should produce. Aliens would. Swallow it up. So their crops failed. And this was part of the judgment of God. It was an agrarian society, so really when it's talking about their crops failing, the economy failed. Now, you may know that in the northern kingdom, especially, they began to worship the god Baal. And they believed that the god Baal caused the rain to fall on your crops, to water your crops, to give you a harvest. So what did God do? God sent a three-year drought. Their God failed them. And what else did God do? God sent a locust infestation to wipe out their crops. To show them that what they were trusting in wasn't working. That their God was failing them. So the crops failed. Verse 8. Israel is swallowed up. Now they are among the Gentiles like a vessel which is no pleasure. This is speaking of their captivity in Assyria that's coming. They're like a vessel which is no pleasure. They're mistreated in Assyria. Now watch this, verse 9. For they have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey alone by itself. Ibrahim has hired lovers. Israel actually looked to Assyria for help. This is before the Assyrians invaded and conquered them. They actually went to get help from the country that ultimately destroyed them. That's why he says Israel's like a wild donkey. They're just stubborn. They look to foreign alliances to save them from their troubles instead of turning to the Lord for help. He goes on. He says, Yes, though they have hired among the nations, Now, I will gather them and they shall sorrow a little because of the burden of the king of princes. They shall sorrow a little. That means they will diminish as a nation. They're going to decline. Again, it's spiritual. The cause is spiritual. But the nation begins to decline politically, economically. Look at verse 11. Because Ephraim has made many altars for sin they have become for him altars for sinning. <laughs> Let me read that to you again so it can just kind of soak in a little bit. Because Ephraim has made many altars for sin, they have become for him altars for sinning. Israel built many altars to their false gods in all the high places all throughout Israel. They were altars for sin. And so it's no surprise those altars became altars for sinning there's an important principle here for us an important lesson when you give yourself the opportunity to sin or when you create for yourself an opportunity for sin guess what you're probably going to sin they built all these altars to sin and then they sinned at those altars You give yourself an opportunity to sin, you're going to end up sinning. So then you don't give yourself opportunities to sin. You don't create opportunities for sin in your life. Because if you do, you'll sin. Romans 13, 14 says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Make no provision, make no Opportunity, Don't give a place for it. You know this. I don't need to tell you. Your sin nature doesn't need any help. Your sin nature can sin all on its own. You don't need to create opportunities for it to sin. You don't need to make it easy. You don't need to make it accessible for your sin nature. That's why it's important for us to put boundaries in our lives to keep us From those opportunities to sin. To make it inaccessible as much as we can. Our sin nature is still going to find sin. And is still going to sin. But we don't want to cooperate with it. We want to make it difficult. Put those filters in place. Put those boundaries in place. Cut off the access. Look at verse 12. (laughs) Man, I love verse 12. For I have written for him the great things. Of my law. Great things of my law. But they were considered a a strange thing. God says I've given them just great things. In my law. God wrote the Bible. He wrote the law. And he said man I put some great things in there for them. Some great things. In my word. And you know that's true. The word of God is just filled with great things. Here is the God of the universe who created us. And he says, I've given them my law, how I want them to live. I've given them my word. And man, I've put some great things in there to help them, to bless them. So that they have a a good life. Great things. In the word of God. I want you to turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Keep your finger here. We're going to come back to it. I'm back to Hosea, but 2 Timothy chapter 3. These are verses you know, but it's good for us to look at them again. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is from God. And it's it's profitable. He gives it to us to, to profit us, to benefit us. It's profitable for doctrine, that's, that's teaching. For reproof, that means that the word of God tells us what we're doing wrong. But it doesn't just leave us there. It just doesn't constantly point out everything you're doing wrong, everything that you're missing. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and correction. So it not only tells us what we are doing wrong, but then tells us how to do it right. It corrects our behavior. And for instruction in righteousness. Righteousness. The word of God instructs us in righteousness. It tells us how to live a right life, how to be right with the Lord. Here's why God gives us all of this in his word, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look what it says. Verse 17, the word of God, it contains everything you need, everything I need to be complete or whole as a human being. How many people are just looking for wholeness? Something's broken. Something's not working right. Just desire wholeness.
1: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Hosea, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Most people are familiar with the idea that you're more thankful for someone's forgiveness when there's much to forgive. This book is a gracious reminder that God's willing to forget the past and forgive the wrongdoing when you come back to Him. He doesn't hold grudges. He just wants your heart. Do you resonate with what was shared today? If so, would you let us know? You can reach us at 410 491 4592 Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. If you'd rather get in touch with us over email, you can do that too. Just go to calvaryec.com and look for our email address under the About tab. We'd love to meet you in person too. If you're in Columbia, Maryland, please join us this weekend for worship and studying scripture together at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. We look forward to sharing this time of worship together with you. You'll find service times and directions at our website, calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to check out additional teachings from the Bible, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Once more, that's calvaryec.com. There's much more to gain through this study through the book of Hosea, so be sure to join us for our next edition here on Ring of Truth.
3: signs and I recognize her.